0: May not have a film fixation, but we're here for a noir education.
1: Bibbidi boo doo 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 dibida pow. Welcome to a real education noir. I am Melissa, and today I'm here with Tanya. Tanya, hey! So Ellie is sick today, so Aww. we have Stunt Allie. <laughs> who is Tanya? Wait, am I getting pale scale for this? Yes, you. Yes, you are. Woo! scale is whiskey. Yes! I win. <laughs> so we are we are here we are tippling our whiskey yeah. and we are about to watch a movie called Nightmare Alley. Dun, dun, dun. In honor of the upcoming Halloween holiday because Woo-hoo. we've got this sort of um dark carnival thing going on uh-huh. with this movie. So, Tanya, what do you know about Nightmare Alley? Absolutely nothing. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Could you make a guess about what it's about?
0: Um, well, you said Dark Carnival. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that Nightmare Alley is their alley of freak show. Okay. Like, like, so we're going to see some kind of fucked up gypsy stuff and maybe a guy running down, like, getting tripped by midgets with a gun in a back alley. Sweet. Um, Yeah, now I'm getting it mixed up with a movie with uh, The Girl in the Gold Boots from MST3K. I don't know why I blame the whiskey. Anyways. It's it's
1: all right. It's all right. I don't care. I'm going to love this. Yes. Yes, you will. I have seen this movie myself. (laughs) And yes, you will adore this movie. Yay! Um, Nightmare Alley, dear listeners, is a movie that um, I tr- I, pr- I tried to t- track it down for many years and just never found a copy. Um, now it's getting easier to find on DVD and here and there. And it is a 1946 uh, <laughs> noir. Um, it is... Uh, it is a movie that basically exists because, um, first of all, a guy wrote a novel of the same name, and then Tyrone Power bought the rights to it because he wanted something other than swashbuckling roles. <laughs> and so this is what he decided to do. Nice. And I approve. <laughs> because this stars Tyrone Power in one of in a very atypical, fantastically dark role, and it's great. And it's it's like I said, it's got that dark carnival thing, and you know the um, first five minutes, you'll know what I mean by that, and it goes in places you you do not expect at all. Sweet. I- once I found It tracked down this movie I found it in On like VHS At a local video store Called Video Universe <gasps> Which is the best The video best store. video store ever The best video store ever And uh, I watched it And went oh my god This is amazing And that same year Like three months later I went to Butnumathon And Harry Knowles Dug up a 35 millimeter <gasps> copy And so I saw it on film And it's great Oh I am so jealous I know Everybody should be <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's great. So track it down, watch it yourself because we are going to go watch the movie. Yes, And yeah. then we are going to come back and discuss ooh, ooh, ooh. Nightmare Alley. Da da da! Da da da! <laughs> So what did you think
0: oh my fucking lord i love this is it amazing oh my god oh, i've been dying to show
1: this to people
0: oh god oh oh oh, oh. <gasps> love it love it love it love it oh i want it so bad again more yeah. <laughs> too, too soon i want more <laughs>
1: oh tyrone powers Oh, you yeah. slick motherfucker! Oh my God, yeah, I, I love that he uses that natural charisma he has in all those evil, devious oh, ways. And it, just, and it just, oh, but he is too pretty to be hobo.
0: Yeah, he he has a really I mean, hard that, time. That was the one thing that I just couldn't like when he he did the hobo bit. That was just the one thing that I couldn't. yeah,
1: yeah. dear listeners, but we, everything else, we Tanya and I were both going there. You're the worst hobo. Yeah. <laughs> You suck at hoboing. You are you are too pretty to be a hobo. <laughs> I, I mean he ultimately pulls it off in that scene with the uh, with the manager. Like yeah. that's when he starts settling oh, yeah. into it. The, oh. And he delivers that line. Oh, it's that. like I was I was, made, I was for made for it. And it's like, end the movie there. Yes. End it there. It can't get any better. Oh <laughs> end that it there. Was Brilliant! And then it goes one scene too long, which is unfortunate. Well, Yeah. But uh the, the book Ends with the dark ending. Oh, nice! So the final scene is—I I don't know if it specifically was a haze code thing. Oh, yeah, that he
0: had yeah, to—that
1: that, that but redemption. See, but... He did all the bad shit, though. That's the thing I don't mm-hmm. get. Well, it, it may have just been too dark for <laughs> for the time. Yeah, but they've done oh. other really dark shit. I mean, oh, I know, I know. I mean, they did. They did, um, but this what was the Baby Jane. I mean, there's dark shit. Although Baby Jane was later than this, that's true. That was that was in that was, the fifties. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. This Something was like that. this was 1947. Okay, this was pretty dark yeah. for a major studio movie. But damn, yeah, I know, right? Oh, oh I, I
0: okay. I thought so he was gonna beat her at the end. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. Because it looked like he was holding that club or
1: whatever, and mm-hmm. he wasn't, but I thought he was. I just wanted him to come out. And, like, that would have been, like, the ultimate, like, 1960s ending. I know. Like, late 60s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, indie production. Yeah, that... Yeah, she would have been dead. <sighs> so many God. people should have been dead. But yeah. case code, so... Well, no. You know, in a lot of ways, it's more satisfying that way. Like, I mean... Hearing you talk through the movie about what you were expecting (laughs) to happen was really fascinating. It's like, it's not going to go that way. It's going to go even better. (laughs) It's going to be even better. (laughs) And it did. I wonder, too,
0: if they were trying to set up, like, like the circle of the movie. Because, like, Zena and Pete at the beginning, Mm -hmm. like, I'm wondering if they were trying to say that that's what Molly, like, Stan and Molly become that, but that's what Zena and Pete looked like. Yeah, and so then it's just this never-ending cycle of chicanery, and like yeah. that's how you get the next carnies.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and I, I think it it the movie even going like one scene too long, you know, at least compared to the arc of the yeah, like the yeah. original book, um, it does set up that arc with you know bringing her back in. She's a yeah. mirror for Xena, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I just so wish it would have ended. I was oh. made for it because oh. that, that, that just, that's a moment. Oh,
0: and he holds it too. Oh. He just holds and he lives it. He's
1: like, yes. Yes. I am. It's like, <sighs> oh, baby. Own it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so dear listeners. <laughs> dear listeners, if you did not watch this movie and you're wondering, Why? what the hell? Why? No, stop and watch it. Yeah, go. I don't care. Go watch just it. Just go watch it. But for the for the benefit of those who are too stubborn, we'll we'll do the very brief sum up. The movie opens at a carnival, and you have the sideshow acts, and one of them is a mentalist act. And Joan Blondell is uh, the the lady Zena, who is doing uh, readings from the audience.
0: I love you, Joan Blondell.
1: <laughs> Joan Blondell's so fantastic, and uh, her her husband Pete is. Underneath the stage, cueing her with the the written suggestions from the audience that she has not seen, and therefore it looks like she is doing the Johnny Carson thing. There's a mirror in the crystal ball, so she can look in it and read it. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, carnival stuff. Yeah. And... You know, with this going on, um, there are two other characters. There is Stan, who is the the young, pretty he, Barker guy. Yeah,
0: he's their Barker. I think he has other jobs at the carny because he was yeah. putting on like a cop uniform too. Oh yeah, which we didn't see him use.
1: Yeah, he's car he's carny man. Yeah, he's got a
0: carny he, like he, yeah.
1: He's carny man, but he he's got the the Barker thing going. Yeah, he's, he's barking super- for them really well, actually. <laughs> yeah, he he is polished, and he wants a piece of this. Uh, mentalist act because he hears from uh chicky poo who's who he's interested in young molly young chicky poo uh he hears from her that they used to be a brilliant mentalist act before pete became an alcoholic right and uh so they had a pete would be in the audience and he would be basically at well, um, no, I think Zeno was the one in the audience. Oh, that well,
0: was it? Was it? I don't know. I can't, rate, I can't remember. One of them was in the audience. One of them one one was, was, was in the, one of them was cold reading and reading on stage. Yeah, and they had uh, they called it a blind code. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the as they read the questions, they would read them with certain inflections and use certain words, which would indicate to the other person. This is what the card says, and it would mean a letter, and that Mm -hmm. would mean a number, and that would mean whatever. So they could say basically whatever they wanted to the crowd and
1: still transfer the information from the crowd to the person doing the act. Right, right. So it's, it's a great sideshow act. Great, great, great and and so Tyrone Power who is who is playing Stan wants a piece of this. Oh yes. He really wants a piece of this. It's oh, like, that's w- brilliant. He, he wants, wants a it. piece of anything,
0: but the fact that they haven't sold it that it's such a close-kept secret, I think. Yeah. Makes it more valuable. Mhm. Cuz Carney's know each other's acts pretty well most of the time right. from the research that I've done cuz I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> and so so yeah, so it
1: yeah, he, he wants it. He wants it. He wants it. Bad. So, so he starts seducing Xena a little bit, and he's not really getting much in the way of the code. And then he figures he might try to sideline Pete a little bit, given he's an alcoholic. He's got Kevin in there. And uh, one night, he he decides to give a bottle of booze to Pete, and it gets accidentally swapped for wood alcohol, and Pete drinks it and dies. Yep. And so Zena is therefore without a partner, and so she winds up teaching uh of Power how to do the code. And she and can-
0: Molly. For and Molly reason. winds up. Yeah, like helping. I. That
1: was the one plot hole that
0: kind of bugged me. Like, yeah. if this is a two-person code, you don't need Molly. Like. In on the learning how to do it, yeah. Thing. So that part I never got, but the whatever, yeah. She she knows it too, and so mm-hmm. so he she's helping him and Xena work on their act, and they start getting really good. And Zena's looking at pulling in agents and mm-hmm. going more mainstream and leaving the carnival mm-hmm. when
1: when basically Tyrone Powers starts macking upon Molly and oh also decides to hmm we forgot about bruno and oh bruno who is molly who's, who's, who's the giant lug who is in love with molly and they're presumably in love with each other but molly and and stan go for each other instead and and therefore they they're discovered and so both xena and bruno go eh well that's shitty of you two and they basically say are, are you going to are you going to marry each other? And, uh, Tyron Power goes, ah, blah, 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 blah. no, it's, you're married. And yeah, like they like, such a person. They force marry. on. literally
0: shotgun wedding. <laughs> Molly and Stan. It's like,
1: you're going to, you're going to screw us all over. Well, fuck you. You're getting married. Yeah. Now you're married to each other. <laughs> you like it? Take it. <laughs> <laughs> you like each other. There. Now you've got each other. <laughs> So, so Stan and Molly run off, and they start their own mentalist act since they have the code. Mm-hmm. And it turns out Stan is oh. awesome. Well, because Tyrone Powers has all that he he has the charisma, and he knows how to he he's like a natural at cold yeah, reading. Yeah, and uh, so he goes big time with it. So he's doing uh, rooms in Chicago full of rich people and he's dazzling everybody and it's going really well and so he starts edging into the um I can see the ghosts of the dead people you yeah. love thing and he starts trying to get money for that from the rich well, people well I don't think but he doesn't make that decision until after until he I, meets
0: I, Helen Walker yeah and Helen Walker <laughs> yeah Helen oh, Walker God, shows you, Helen up Walker. And, <laughs> sure,
1: is like the one skeptic in one of his audiences and she tries to trip him up and he kind of. And it dodges around it and she goes, hmm, you're good. Hmm. Yeah.
0: So she sends yeah. him a note yeah. after one of his shows, like, come over to my place. Yeah, and come my up. place being her doctor's her office. office. Yep. Because she is a psychologist. And they are totally like fencing with their words and yeah. their looks, and they're trying each other out, and like, how much how much am I scamming you? And what are you really doing? And then he pulls this thing where he like. He's he acts like he's leaves because she's she, one of her clients comes in mm-hmm. and he really doesn't mm-hmm. and like so they know that they're
1: neither of them is really on the up and up right and it's just who's smarter who mm-hmm. can do the cold reading better who yep. can do the turnabout better yep but they they wind up for a short while actually teaming up because she knows all the dirty secrets of the of the the rich people. The rich people because those are her clientele. So she starts relaying to him and he he's getting better cold readings Mm -hmm. out of people. So they team up a bit. And we'll just kind of race through the rest of the movie because... Well, because plot spoilers. Because, because like, plot spoilers. Oh, and
0: and if and you want the double blind crap that whole, they pull on each other... Holy crap. No, no, no. you We can't tell <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, we, we, can't gotta, tell you. we you gotta, gotta watch we gotta, that, gotta,
1: that shit. Oh, <laughs> it, it develops beautifully. It, it is... The, the whole final act of the movie is oh. just this brilliant cascade. There <laughs> could have
0: been so many movies, like, out of each of those scenes. Yeah. Like... Oh, do we- yeah,
1: I can't, I can't say, I can't say, <laughs> or you won't watch it. <laughs> so, so listeners, make the effort, go find it. It's, it, it's really fantastic. It is a fantastic movie. So interesting. And one of the things I really appreciate about it, you know, especially having been involved in the skeptics movement, oh, yeah. recent, uh, you know, with, headed by James Randi and all those fun people a movie from the 1940s that basically takes apart the, this is what the sideshow act is of Mm -hmm. mentalism. You know, when you see a you know, quote psychic doing their act, this This is what what it is. is. This is what they're
0: doing. This is how they're looking at you. This is, they've got the stories that everybody has down pat Mm -hmm. and, and it's their spiel and it's, the way they look at you and that just the way that they're able to interact with you. Mm-hmm. And it's not anything real.
1: No, it's not real. I, I mean there's a great talent to it because a person who's good at cold reading is reading yeah. the, the tiny expressions on your face and your body language yeah. and just they're they are laser honed yes. in everything that you are doing. Well and,
0: and they show that really well in the movie yeah. too, which I was impressed with. Like they show Tyrone Powers looking over his shoulder at somebody he's reading and seeing whether, you know, they're making this expression or that expression. And then you can see him making small adjustments in his story. Like there's this one time he's talking about whether this person sang this song or that song. And he Mm -hmm. knows that one of the songs didn't quite hit right. Right. So he adds another one really quick to sort of cover. And it's that whole thing of like when somebody's doing that to you, you're going to remember the the hits yeah and totally forget the misses and it is exactly what happens yeah and it was beautiful yeah and i loved it yeah It, it's oh it's so good <sighs> so good i wish they hadn't mixed that with religion though because I... there was this weird thing that they started doing in the mm. third act mm-hmm Like, once he's big, once he starts getting into, like, the afterlife stuff, before that it was all, this is straight up, this is a carny act, this is how you do it, you know, this, we're doing it for money, and, but then they get into the spook reading, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, everybody's mentioning God, like,
1: every five seconds. Well, I think, I think they, I think what they may have been trying to edge at is that, Religion is kind of doing the same thing. See, but... But, but they couldn't quite outright come I, out and say it in the 1940s.
0: I didn't get that impression. Okay. And I don't know whether it was because I was skeptical of the religious angle. Because, like, I know Hayes Code does a lot of... Yeah. Like, you have to be righteous, and the person who believes in God is going to be the one that gets the redemption, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So I might have been coming at it, like, too skeptically, if that's a thing. Yeah. But I... Because, like... They have this one discussion where, you know, because it is, it's established in Tyrone Power's backstory that he went through all this religious training Mm -hmm. when he was an orphan and in reform school, and he picked up on it because that's how he gamed the system. Right. But then it's like he, he's not using it to game the system at the end, but it's, he's like getting accused of using it when he's not. But when he was, it was like, okay.
1: Yeah. I think there's some mixed signals. There's, near the end, there,
0: and, and like, there's this one character that's supposedly a skeptic and an atheist. Mm-hmm. Or, well, I would assume an atheist, someone who, who very much did not believe in religion before that. And what annoyed me was they're giving a speech about converting this guy to believe that Tyrone Powers has, like, this this mystical ability. And they say, you know, he was a skeptic about everything religious. And that ticked me off because he wasn't a skeptic about everything religious. Mm-mm. He was a skeptic about everything mystical. Yeah. And there which is, is a different. huge difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and after that, I think I just lost the whole God thing that they were doing. <laughs> and I was just like, what are you, what are you doing? Because <laughs> you just, you can't, the two do not meet. If you're going to make it about religion, then make it about religion. If you're going to make it about the Carney Act, then make it about the Carney Act.
1: Well, I think, I think part of the point though, is that when you start stumbling is when he starts... Reaching further and further and further and trying to pry into those religious streams. But he wasn't even, streams. because he... Well, he, he was, he was kind of treading into this, he, he wants me to produce a ghost sort of thing. I mean, the, yeah, but, when, once you go past the mentalist act of, this is, you know, um, you signed this letter as RF and, yeah, but, and you, and you have all a... And that's fine and yeah. good.
0: You can do the spook thing without doing the religious thing, though. Mm True. Like, I mean, what's what's Edward Roberts or whoever had that show crossing over? Oh, uh, yeah, Edwards. Can, yeah, ro- whatever I don't know name. what his name is. I don't yeah. care. Um, but, you know, like, so you can do the spook mentalist thing without being religious about it. Right. And if this person who he's trying to get the money from is already secular mm-hmm. or, you know, not religious, then what's the point of converting him and telling him to pray and you know and that's where i did i didn't quite understand why that got brought in except to show that molly who is an established carny Mm -hmm. who had been fine with jilting all these people out of their money up until this point Mm -hmm. suddenly she gets all religious on his butt and she's like oh but i don't think this is right and she gets religious and then i'm like, "Oh." So that's Hayes Code.
1: <laughs> it, it might have been. It might have been. Well, because or it could have been.
0: She gets off. Well, yeah, totally. She gets off. She's there at the end. She's all happy and pretty and beautiful in her little check, fl- <laughs> check blouse with her, you know, her tight little pants. and. Ugh. I love 50s clothes. I'm sorry. I just want them
1: all. <laughs> uh it may have been the most convenient way to get that sort of point over yeah i to don't the know audiences of the it time. was it felt awkward it felt oh i agree i agree it's it
0: it it yeah but then he goes and he does that scene at the
1: end <laughs> and that forgives all
0: mm-hmm. oh that was so beautiful
1: there there are so many other things going on in, but, yeah. in you know, outside of the, the weird little religious angle it takes.
0: In, yeah, they point. just spent a lot more time on it than I thought they needed to. Eh. Fair enough. Me.
1: It could be my thing. The uh one of the other interesting things about this movie um that I really find fascinating is um the portrayal of alcoholism. Because mm. Mm, portraying alcoholism kind of a- as a serious thing, as a disease, was re- relatively new in films at that time. Because The Lost Weekend... Yeah, I was
0: going to say, when did Lost Weekend come out?
1: 1945, two years before Okay. This. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, battling alcohol. So, they're just starting to make that a thing. Yeah. And, okay. And so, seeing a character with the DTs, yeah. essentially, you know, uh, fighting his way to yeah. try to appear normal and... Uh, She's got me on a diet. One shot a day. (laughs) It just looks miserable. Oh. Yeah, so I found that very interesting. And of course, you know, you very rarely uh, in film see geeks referred to. No, you don't. Yeah. Because
0: like even in Freaks.
1: Yeah. They don't have a geek. Right. Like, well, they, they do at the end, kind of. Kind of, but... But even, it wasn't as blatant as this one. No, it's like, yep, and, there's a geek show here. There was apparently, uh, in the original kind of the movie, very graphic scene of, uh, I don't, I, I doubt they used a real chicken, but... No, no. But a very graphic like. scene of what a geek does, mm-hmm. but it's gone, which is kind of why the continuity is kind of strange in a couple parts during yeah. the geek parts but uh but
0: that's mostly yeah. in the beginning isn't it when they're when they're establishing the characters
1: yeah it it is, it is interesting how it exists now because the the camera just kind of wanders off yeah and you just hear the sounds <laughs> yeah <laughs> um another interesting thing about this movie apparently um after this movie came out you know how alcoholics anonymous um members identify each other in code like uh, are you a friend of bill w yeah. Like, Bill W. is signal from one alcoholic to you another. See? Like, I've gone through yep. treatment. Um, are you a friend of Stan Carlisle? Was apparently, I'm also in the mentalist industry and I know what you're doing. That's, Stan Carlisle being the character. That's
0: amazing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm going to use that. Yeah. Somewhere. I'm in the business. <laughs> so Tyrone Power oh Tyrone Power so, oh you pretty little Tyrone you pretty man oh, he is- Yeah, Zorro Zorro he's oh. known for Zorro he was Mark of Z- in Mark of Zorro he was also in The Black Swan and The Razor's Edge and Witness for the Prosecution which was very very good um, but primarily known up to this for swashbuckler roles yeah uh, he he was the leading romantic man well and you can see why oh yeah Oh, slick motherfucker! Oh, no, and and like I said, he kind of wanted to do something a little bit more interesting, you know. After mm-hmm. playing the romantic lead for so long, oh well, yeah. So he bought the rights to this. Nice. And it's like this is a really interesting choice for him to make because it uses his charisma and yes, uses it his does, good looks and very well.
0: Yeah, except for when he's a hobo.
1: Yeah, that that kind of does him in. He's too pretty to be a hobo. He just although, is. Although when he when he finally does get into that office at the end and he oh, delivers that great yeah. line, that's when the the, that's, the the makeup starts like working a little beyond bit. hobo. That's yeah. Like hobo
0: is that awkward transition stage between yeah. like he's still kind of got the the mentalist thing going on because he does. He sucks the hobos in mm-hmm. like, and they're all like, but then you're like, oh, but those
1: hobos are gonna. Those those hobos were going to hurt him. <laughs> well, they took his booze. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, Tyrone Power. He was the third Tyrone Power in, like, a quadrilogy of Tyrone Powers. I did not know All that. actors, like a legendary acting family stretching back to the 18th century. I did not know that. He's actually a first cousin of Sir Tyrone Guthrie. <gasps> meaning, he's related to the Guthrie Theater here in Minneapolis. Damn. Uh, he served in World War II. He was in the Marine Corps, he, you know, he came back and uh, you know did pretty well for himself in movies. He was um on the yeah, he was one of the faces on the cover of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Oh. <laughs> if you look amidst oh the sea of faces, he's one of them. Um one of the great ironies in Hollywood. Uh, he died of a heart attack while he was filming a movie called uh, Solomon and Sheba. He was doing a sword fight with George Sanders and passed out and died. Aww. Um, which means the last finished piece of film he ever did was a uh, PSA about recognizing oh, the, system, the symptoms, symptoms, of symptoms of a heart, of a heart attack, attack. Oh and going God. to treatment. <laughs> So, is, yeah. No, that's not fantastic. That's what not fantastic, no. but, but it's a great story. That is a great story. Yeah. He had a fling with uh, Judy Garland at one time. Well, who didn't? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, should, she was, I shouldn't she be little, mean to she Judy
1: little, Garland. She was a little active. <laughs> she She had... She had her own thing. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, I should backtrack a little. Uh, the director of this uh, film was a man by the name of Edmund Goulding, and uh, he was an actor, writer, director from the London stage. So he did Broadway Melody. Yes, I just, I just looked him up. Yeah, on IMDb. Oh he did yeah, so
0: many. He
1: did Dark Victory. Dark Victory is amazing. He did isn't
0: Dark it? Victory. Ah.
1: Also, Grand Hotel. Yes, which is one of the first movies of everybody in Hollywood is in this movie. <laughs> <Yep>. Grand Hotel. <laughs> uh, he and he did of Human Bondage mm-hmm. and Racer's Edge. So many oh. good movies. But yeah, he he was from Britain and he um, he was a member of the uh, British army and he was injured and after his injury that's when he came to america and started directing movies so he had this wonderful very broadly appealing Mm -hmm. directing style so something as dark and strange as nightmare alley is actually really atypical of his style but um, i think he did really well by it he did
0: (laughs) well i don't i mean you can talk about auteurs as like directors or whatever but I mean, it kind of feels like a goulding picture, even though it's mm, very different from what his usual topics might be. Well,
1: yeah. And I I think that really broad appeal style helps this movie a lot. Because, I mean, it'd be very easy, you know, if you, if this movie was made in the 60s by a very different director, (laughs) it it would be, it would have this really salacious (gasps) style to it. And having this made under the, like, the 1940s Hays Code system gives it this uh, really almost um, slightly aloof sort of uh, uh, quality to it, which I think really serves it well. Yes.
0: Although now I want to see it
1: remade by Kubrick. Kubrick. That'd be interesting. And then the Russ Meyer version would be just (laughs) off the the rails. (laughs)
0: Uh I so could, I could totally see Kubrick like making his lead like <laughs> fucking get in a cage and eat a goddamn chicken. Yeah.
1: I could see that. Yeah, yeah.
0: If he would fuck with um what's her name?
1: Not- oh Shelly Duval. Yeah, it's Shelly Duval so much. Shelley Duval eating a chicken. Yeah, I could see it. Hmm, considering that.
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I should stop sidetracking it.
1: Poop- yeah, no, no, that's what this is all about. <laughs> Um, okay, so I kept saying that this is based on a novel. It is uh, based on a novel by William Lindsay Gersham, Gresham, who um, wrote uh, another book called Monster Midway, which is a nonfiction book about carnies and carnivals. Nice. Uh, he, was, he was an interesting fellow. He was not a very nice fellow. He was alcoholic and often suicidal. He mm-hmm. was um, married to a poet named Joy Davidman, who uh, he had a couple kids with. And uh, he was awful to her. And so she ran off and had a love affair with C.S. Lewis. (laughs) And then they eventually got married. The movie Shadowlands is about that. Oh, I should find that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about mostly about C.S. Lewis and and Joy Davidman. So his kids wound up being stepkids to C.S. Lewis. But uh, he, um, William Lindsay Gresham, uh, eventually, cleaned up and he worked on a book about Harry Houdini mm-hmm. with James Randy. James the Amazing Randy. <laughs> the Amazing Randy. Uh, which was funny because, you know, T- Tanya, you brought him up. Uh, up yeah, for I- J- Amazing Randy during the movie. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yep. Where's the Amazing Randy in all this? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, uh, the author did meet an unfortunate end. Uh, in 1962, he checked into the Dixie Hotel in New York and, uh, committed suicide by sleeping pills. Mm. Um, when they, they found him, basically his death went completely unnoticed by the no. media. Like somebody who wrote a bridge column in the New York Post oh, mentioned ouch. something, but that was about it. Ouch. But, when they uh, when they found him, he was apparently uh, carrying business cards that said no address, no phone, no business, no money, retired. Aww. So very. That's too bad. Very sad and unfortunate man. But at least he wasn't a geek. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, you do not read tarot cards like that. Mm 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 mm. And you never read them for yourself.
1: <laughs> so I don't know what she was doing. You know what I? I was giving that the benefit of the doubt in that. Well, I, that, mean, I mean, you've got you've got a number of characters essentially doing cold readings off of one yeah. another, and um, I kind of took it as her excuse as a way to. Oh, like that was her way that, she covered her reading, like yeah, she, so you couldn't tell she was reading you. Yeah, it's like I'm getting this message from the universe, but no, I'm really telling you see, how it is.
0: Maybe I could see that. Yeah. But I I also got the sense that, like, she actually believed the cards, even though she knew
1: cold reading was bullshit. She may have. And I may be just really generous with this movie. Well, and you have every right to be. It doesn't make me love it any less. I just know that you don't read tarot cards like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No. 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 No, No, you don't. That was his card. No.
0: Yeah. And and if you're going to talk about tarot cards... At yeah. least do some research, please, screenwriters, on what the cards actually mean. There are more cards in
1: the deck than just death. Yeah, and death doesn't even mean death. Right. Which, oh, like every <laughs> single tarot card, they're like, "Oh, death. Oh, death. No, death does
0: not mean death. The hangman means more death than death does.
1: Mm-hmm. But, eh, tell Hollywood. Watch out for the three of swords. <laughs> Uh, the screenplay uh, was written by Jules Firthman, who wrote Mutiny on the Bounty, To Have and To Have Not, <gasps> and Ooh. The Big Sleep. <gasps> Yay. Uh, during the silent era, he was known as Stephen Fox, apparently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because apparently his uh, he felt his real name was too German <laughs> in the wake of World well, War I. Well, I One. could see
0: that. I could see that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. He
1: start, he started writing for films in 1915. So he yeah. was an early adopter. Yeah. But uh, his final film was a little movie called Rio Bravo. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So so somebody w- who worked on a lot of iconic films of the era. It, it's a fun script. I really enjoy it.
0: Oh, it, it there was some good. Oh, the whole scene with Helen Walker. Yeah. I, it, when he is in Helen Walker's apartment. Mm-hmm. And you know which scene I mean. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was gorgeous gorgeous.
1: <laughs> Anytime that he's with Helen Walker, actually, oh, yes. he's just this wonderful oh, head because she is smart mm-hmm. and she is not afraid to
0: use it. Mm-hmm. And she knows what his game is. Yeah. And she does it that much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she's got because she plays a psychologist, she's got this legitimacy behind her even though psychology was kind of looked upon the same way at this point.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because
0: there was no, like, you didn't have everybody going to their therapist every week. Mm-hmm. Like, psychology back then, especially in movies, yeah. was was for the crazy people. They were the charlatans who were going to take the, the, the people's money, or they were going to screw you over, or, you know, they didn't have, like... They were looked upon in a similar way to a mentalist or to a carney.
1: Yeah, I really like the parallel that's drawn yeah, between the two. That was fascinating,
0: <laughs> especially when she starts helping him out. Yeah, and like, cause then you're like, oh, well, they get each other. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to
1: hook up, and they possibly. Well, they, oh, and she tried. Oh yeah. Oh, she tried. <laughs> oh, that in the boat. In the boat. Oh yeah. It's like, I i know I've got a, place. a cabana. Yeah. I've, I've got a cabana. We could go there. She tried like three times. It's like, can't and, fall and me for Tyron-
0: Tyrone Powers is like, no, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> not with you, Helen Walker. I'm with. And then he didn't even go home to his little piece, Molly. Like, he didn't even go home to his wife.
1: I'm like, why are you holding that on Helen Walker, Tyrone? Yeah, really. Oh, they would make <sighs> beautiful children. Oh, they would be very pretty. Oh. So pretty. So speaking of Helen Walker, oh, I'm sorry. So no, no, no. I'm I'm finding <laughs> tangents all over the place. So um, Helen Walker, wonderful little actress, love her. She, she was barely in anything. Uh, she had like 20 film roles, and that was about it. Yeah, she died young. Uh, yeah, she died young, and uh, but also here's here's kind of what happened. So she she her career was going on okay, and then um, on New Year's Eve 1946, um, she. She was out driving, and she picked up three hitchhikers uh, who were World War II vets. And um, during the car ride, her car hit a divider, and it flipped several times. Oh, no. And so she was severely injured. She broke her pelvis, and there were various other injuries. Um, Two of the soldiers were also severely injured, and one died. Oh, dear. So this... Is 1946. This is right after World War Two. Yeah, the surviving soldiers accused her of drunk driving and driving <gasps> recklessly. Oh no! And uh, even though she was exonerated of guilt in the case, um, she got.
0: Yeah, you're not going to live press. that
1: down at so, that time. Yeah, oh. Little Hollywood Actress versus War Vets. Yeah. So her her career tanked oh. pretty much after that. Um, Even though this happened after that incident, uh, this film ha- happened after this incident, she also got her role in Northside 777 okay. uh, after that incident, but her career mostly petered out. Um she did a few TV roles and then by 1960 she did her last television appearance and then her house burned down. Mm. And she was pretty much yeah, destitute after that. There was like a, a few of the people she still knew in the industry like gave a little benefit mm-hmm. for her so help her out, but a few years later she died of cancer. Oh. So she just had this really unfortunate cuz she had, death. oh, she is and I I recognized her right away. I'm like, "Who is that?" Yeah, you you said you recognized her from possibly Brewster's Millions, right? Yeah. 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 I, I like I, her. I know her from Northside 777, which is fantastic and I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Um and we keep mentioning Joan Blondell. <laughs> who is amazing. I love her. Oh, Joan Blondell is the best. She makes me so happy. So Joan Blondell who plays Xena... um God, I love her in this movie, especially because she she plays that like she's five years past the expiry date. Yes, for the the beautiful blonde woman. Yes, which is which is a sad thing for me to say because she's gorgeous. No, no, but. she
0: is, but like Hollywood has that, you yeah. know that like they're used, they're just too old for the leading mm-hmm. woman, so they they end up in that sort of like jealous former ingenue spot. Yeah. And it was very much that. And and she's playing it like that. Oh, and that, which she is. is important. And it's perfect. <coughs> like, the first, thing, you see her in the scene, in the first scene in the movie, and I'm like, oh, she's giving him the side eye. Mm-hmm. She
1: already knows what she is after. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I love her deliveries, it, it, the, mm-hmm. the, her line deliveries. She is just so sharp. Um she she had a long, long career, even though she was never like leading lady. Yeah, I know. She was always the the comedic wisecracking mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. girl. So you saw her in um god, she was in everything from like the public enemy in nineteen thirty one yes. to Greece. She was in Greece.
0: <laughs> Who was she in Greece?
1: Vi? That's right. <laughs> I knew it she was in Tree Girls in Brooklyn she had a little role in uh, one was of she in f- The Women everybody was in The Women every woman was in The Woman okay I don't uh, although I don't now know I wanted to say she was in Reno
0: when they, when they go mm. on to Reno
1: maybe it doesn't we, matter we should just watch The Women because yeah because, because <laughs> the women. Um but she uh, she was just amazing she was always just kind of this wisecracking comedic yes uh, character actress and uh, she was married to Dick Powell for a while. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Um, apparently, it, it, so she started her career in the Ziegfeld Follies before going sure, to Hollywood. Sure. And she came up through theater with, kind of side by side with James Cagney. Okay. So they were singing and dancing sure. together on the stage. His career took off once he hit mm-hmm. film. And she, not quite so much, mm. sadly. But uh, I always love seeing her and stuff. Um, oh, I saw I- her in... Um, Gold diggers of 1933, (gasps) recently. Yes! Yeah, and she's just a tiny little role in that. But it's like, like, but you know it's her. It's like, that's Joan Blondell! Yay!
0: (laughs) Yeah, like half this movie, I was
1: sitting there going, that person! Yeah, I know that person! Yeah. And Colleen Gray is in this. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, dear listeners, if you're going, hey, i seen Colleen Gray somewhere. You saw her in the last movie we watched, which was Kansas City Confidential. <laughs> um, she was also in The Killing and Kiss of Death and Racer's Edge and stuff like that. Um, and, of course, uh, Mike Mazurki. yeah, Bruno. Bruno! Uh, the big guy. The <laughs> big guy who was in Dick Tracy. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> some Like It Hot. And he was in Murder, My Sweet. Yes, he Most was. Most people know him from Murder, My mm-hmm. Sweet. And uh, yeah, he long, long, long career. Oh, and and I, I
0: loved what this movie did with those actors. Yeah, because like Bruno and and Zena, you know, even though they were they weren't the main couple, they weren't they didn't get thrown off like a lot of those people do, or they didn't get made fools of ever. Because mm-hmm. like they even come back after he's moved up in the world. Yeah. And Tyrone Powers kind of gets all like, uh-oh, they're yeah. going to they're gonna trash my show, they're going to call me out. And like, they're not. They don't care. And and they even kind of look like they hooked up, which oh, yeah. I thought was really nice, because a lot of times those characters, they kind of get treated like shit yeah. once they get pushed off screen. So I was really glad to see that the movie had a space for
1: that. And I, I like the idea of them as a pair. Yeah. It's like they were so adorable. I know.
0: Well, it's just like as soon because there's this look when they're in the bar once they realize that Molly and Stan hooked up. Yeah. They they just look at each other and they're like, oh, we're doing this. And they're the ones that do the shotgun wedding. And they're the ones that, you know, I just I just really liked that there was a
1: space for that for those characters. Yeah. And that they pulled it off so well because they did. Yes. And I love I mean, so often when you see. Uh, Mike Mazurki and stuff. He uh, he's playing a bruiser, a thug. Yep. <coughs> and here he's like, "Oh, you're so cute. I know you're so adorable." Well, and he doesn't like you. Don't really know
0: what he does mm-hmm. for the. I'm guessing from his from his first costume, he might have been the strongman. Yeah, I'm guessing, but the it, you don't know and you don't care, right?
1: Because he's just too adorable. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you can be around some more. Yeah. Um, even though he was so known for roles like you did not see in this movie um well because he, he was being really sweet with colleen yeah. gray but you know he was a giant man he was like six foot five mm-hmm. and so he was easy to cast in those yeah in the big roles, yeah. usually. and uh, apparently he was really well read and very quick-witted and genial and when, gentle, why right? should he be and and yeah it's just that you know so many times you've seen him in, seen him in movies yep. He wasn't playing that role.
0: Right, exactly. And that's another thing that I liked yeah. about Bruno. It's because Bruno was big. Yeah. But he wasn't dumb. Right. He he picked up on the the little interplay between Molly and Stan before Xena did.
1: Oh, yeah. And he's like, uh, like the first scene it shows up. He's like, oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Not good. M-uh. I don't buy it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, he's sharp. He's sharp. And uh, you were also picking up on Ian Keith, who played Pete, Yay! who was in the Ten Commandments yes. and Cleopatra. He was one of the Cecil B. DeMille people. <laughs> he was in a bunch of oh, DeMille people. You movies. could tell. Yeah. You could tell because there's Oh this, that face. Oh yeah. Mm. Uh, oh, and his accent just
0: comes because he's doing the DTs really well. Yeah. And then we you get to see a little bit of what Pete would have been like before the drink. Mm-hmm and you can just see that Cecil B DeMille like with the broad like the theater background comes in and he holds himself different yeah. and you could just tell that he could just go off
1: like he was Tyrone Powers before he was Pete. Yeah. I love that scene where he kind of transforms into his former self. Yeah. And that that that, that magic happens. Yes. He just the the transformation happens and he has that wonderful Powerful scene with the speech mm-hmm. and doing the example cold reading with the thing with the crystal mm-hmm. ball. And then he's back then, to and, Alcoholic Man. And the man. transition
0: is so subtle. Yeah. And so, like, because people don't, like, because you'll see people do, like, they're crazy to their former selves. And you'll see actors do it where they just like, switch mm-hmm. like that. And it's not like that. No. Real people are not like that. But the way Ian Keith played heat it was that gradual like you could see him sort of catch himself and he lost it a little bit but then he caught himself and then mm-hmm. and it was oh as as somebody who's has a theater degree it yeah. was
1: beautiful oh it's so good oh, so good
0: i would love to see that speech back to back with when because Ty- tyrone powers basically does the same speech again yes when he's with the hobos I would love to see those two together, like back to back. Mm-hmm. That would be fascinating for me just to study how both of those guys use the same words and
1: what they do. That would be f- oh <laughs> Tyrone Powers still the worst hobo though.
0: Oh yeah, fuck oh, shit. You are hobo. not a
1: hobo, Tyrone Powers. Not not a hobo. <laughs> not a hobo.
0: <laughs> hashtag <laughs> hashtag not, not a, a hobo.
1: hobo. <laughs> New meme for the website. <laughs> it will go next to our Hume Cronin meme. <laughs> I'm handling this. Handling it.
0: Handling I'm it. Handling it. <laughs> Tyrone Powers was not handling being
1: a hobo. Oh no, no. He was too pretty. Way too pretty. All with man- <laughs> those eyes and the hair. Well, he was. He wasn't. Like they
0: dirtied him up, like yeah. you do. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was Ben Nye on the makeup, so mm-hmm. you were gonna
1: get good makeup. One of these days we should just do a whole episode on Ben Nye. <laughs> okay, because you see Ben Nye's name on every movie oh, of this era. Well,
0: and you are required like Ben Nye, he was such a famous makeup artist when you go when when I was in in college for mm-hmm. theater, you had to go and buy a Ben Nye makeup kit. Yes. Like it was a requirement like in your syllabus <laughs> Ben Nye makeup kit. It's important. <laughs> like you couldn't use it for shit because you were not Ben Nye, but mm-hmm. that's what you got.
1: Mm-hmm. Because he is the shit. Or <laughs> was the, he that was at that time. He was the Edith Head of Makeup. He was. Yeah. Yeah. No capes. No caps. No capes. <laughs> I <laughs> wonder what, what his equivalent would have been. Yeah. No powders. <laughs> more would, blush. More blush. <laughs> more blush. No, he would no. No, he not, wouldn't not done for, that no. Not for black and
0: white. <gasps> Ooh. More eyeliner. More eyeliner. Maybe for the because I bet he I bet Ben Nye did Betty Davis.
1: He probably did.
0: Mm. I wanna see what Ben Nye did with Betty Davis' face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pre Ben Nye, post Ben Nye. <laughs> oh God.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm just fantasizing yeah, about B- Betty Davis
1: now. <laughs> Ooh, we need to do more Betty Davis on this podcast. Hell
0: yes, yeah. All about Eve.
1: Yeah. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Dark, uh, dark victory.
0: Dark. Vi- oh yes, do dark victory. Oh yes.
1: Please, please <laughs> do dark victory. Please. <laughs> All right, oh. so we're we're going off the rails. Do you have any final thoughts about watch it? Uh, yes,
0: watch <laughs> it again and again. Because oh, as much as as much as I
1: pointed out things <laughs> I didn't like, I loved it. Oh, you know, part of the reason you point out things you didn't like is because you get invested in it. Oh it's yeah, like, it's so sad I don't like that because I want to like. Yeah, it. I know. <laughs> oh, it was, it was. I loved it what all of it oh yeah so worth watching so so dear listeners we will catch up with you next time we will be watching leave her to heaven (gasps) yes all right very nice and uh so we'll see you in uh, about two weeks ish all right bye -bye. Bye bye
0: we hope you enjoy our film fixation. We'll see you next time on a noir education.
1: Thank you for joining us for a real education noir. New episodes arrive on the 7th and 21st of every month. You can find our podcasts and social media feeds on our website at realedunoir.com. Special thanks to Tim Wick, Jeffrey Brown, and Chad Dutton for our theme music. If you like our show, you might also like our parent podcast, A Real Education, which discusses all genres of film. You can find it on the web at realedu.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time to remember that this exhibit is being presented solely in the interest of education and science.